Hey, hey, everyone. It is the Let's Get Loud podcast with Jane A. And today we actually have a guest. Miss Katie Brinston is with us. Pew, 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 pew. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So um, we kind of met at an like in a weird way, but I met Katie at a um, it wasn't a brunch. It was a barbecue. And mm-hmm. she was someone there, a, a, the girlfriend of someone else that I did never met. And we just like sat down and we like clicked because I want to be honest. I loved your honesty. Uh, like, so I don't even know how this happened, but we were on the topic of divorce and mm. the things you were saying, I was like, cause I said, I wish that I was divorced so that I would only have my kids half time. And you're like, girl, it's the fucking best. And I was like, I like her. Uh-huh. I like that. She is at least like, I understand that there are like, uh, negative things about being divorced, but I'm like, can we also just talk about that piece? And that's the piece that we're talking about. And you were just like, agreeing with me and I just like enjoyed your vibe so much mm, thank, so, you. So, <laughs> thank you thank you thank you thank <laughs> you and then you reached out and um then I started to know more about like who you are and what you do um you were just left as that girl that we clicked at that barbecue basically in my mind and then we kind of became, became Facebook friends and then we we like had this zoom call just to chat and I Friggin' loved everything about your language. So a big reason as to why you're here is because I think this conversation could be fire. I think we have a lot to say, the three of us together. Um, so can you please tell our listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do? And Ooh, that's, that's like, um, a full hour. Um, yes. but I'll try to shorten it up to like two minutes. So I, my offering, so the way that I serve, I guess, has evolved over the last five to six years. Um, I really kind of got on my own wellness journey and trying to bring a little more awareness into my life on why I wasn't getting the results or success in my life that I wanted to get, which is really a feeling. I mean, the result of everything that you do, you're looking for a certain feeling. And I wasn't having it. So I found yoga in my life. Um, It was a huge support when I was getting divorced and became a massive support whenever I was experiencing any lows or turbulence in my life. Uh, And for that reason, I took my yoga teacher training, which started a serious internal transformation, emotionally and mentally, the way that I looked at myself and and felt about myself and how I viewed success and freedom was starting to shift. All of those those programmed pieces that make you have a perception of what success, freedom and fulfillment look like were shifting for me in a positive way. But what happened when I completed the training and was starting to share the gift of yoga with everybody, I loved it, but I noticed so many people were where I was before in the state of suffering and struggling. And it was heartbreaking. And I really wanted to change that. So I thought that that was going to go well when I created a company called Yoga Shift, which was designed to go into the corporate world or organizations and implement mindfulness and wellness techniques to help people shift and change and become more of a thriving, happy person. Um, but it was really kind of aggravating some symptoms instead of solving the root cause. So over about a year and a half, even though people really enjoy the service, the business was on a trajectory for success, 
it wasn't giving me the impact that I wanted. So I took a step back and started to reevaluate and learn and realize that this is really a cultural problem, feeding into our unalignment and lack of well-being. So there's a thousand different mini pieces to that because we're complex species and it's, it's very fascinating and beautiful, but it's not something that I think we could outline and dive into in this time period that we have, but it was really a cultural problem. So from there, I evolved my offering into cultural services for organizations, knowing that within the four walls that these people operate, they've built their own little mini culture. They spend most of their time there. And this is where I believe I can create the most impact in people's lives in company success, which is an extra bonus. And then that impacting our culture as a whole slowly. So I have some grand vision. Um, <laughs> yeah, world change here. But <laughs> uh, that's kind of that's so that's what I do. I coach organizations to help create the change and shifts in their culture that they really want. They all want it. They can all feel it. It's just a really overwhelming idea to try to create that on your own when they have the focus of a business as well and managing teams. Um, and usually whatever their HR team is, is kind of already battling with all of the other things. So to have an outside source that's 100% focused on shifting the culture into the right direction that is going to allow the people in the company to thrive, that's my jam. That's what I do. And I love every second of it. Wow. Yeah. Right. Um, so for me, you can imagine Leash, when I met her, the connection that I have with culture shift and my purpose on this earth mm -hmm. in changing the culture of losing weight and the culture of, um, you know, whether like just how people are living their lives through awareness, mm -hmm. like her using mm -hmm. the word awareness, her using the word word, um, you know, the issue is in our culture. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And like her wanting to like change and slowly you see the difference slowly, but it, it'll take a long time before we see culture where our culture, our society, where we would love it to be. Yeah. It takes a long time, but I actually remember when you guys met, I remember you're like, Oh my God, I met this girl and her language is amazing. And now I'm like, just having this moment. Like I wrote down all these words that you're saying that like, words. we don't normally have conversations with other people that are speaking in a similar way than us. So it's so refreshing to have a conversation with someone that has the same language. It's the language. It's the words she was using, Leisha. I was telling you while we were talking, it's because we we connect with people like we listen to people often. We talk to people often, obviously. And it's just the language is so different. And it's like I wouldn't have used that same way to explain what I wanted to say, which is fine. But it was just talking to you and just like even what you just said, um, it's it really resonates with our message and our mission. Let's go with our mission as well. Yeah, I feel like there's there's a feeling when you speak to other people. And whether or not we're actually consciously aware of it, I think that we're always seeking to see if our values and beliefs align. And I have to admit, I didn't always have, obviously, I don't think any of us did. We didn't always have the level of awareness and understanding on how we should be talking to ourselves and other people. But through the, the challenges and the adversity, which are really gifts um, that we faced in our lives individually, I think is also very similar. Um, I had major uh, image, body image issues and was diagnosed with bulimia nervosa three years ago, which is, you know, binge eating disorder. 
Um, so I, I had to learn a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. If I was going to be able to heal that piece and figure out what was causing me to go in this route every day. Yeah. I remember you sharing that with me. Um, mm -hmm. do you, do you also feel that, um, for us to have the proper culture shift one day, there's a lot of unlearning as well. Like I speak 100%. a lot of like our members need to learn so much and people just, our members are people, right. Or just our society. Yeah. They have so much to learn. I'm like, Oh my God, they have so much to learn, but really I'm like, they have so much to unlearn. Um, yeah. through the years. you know what I mean? Like we have to like shift what we believe in, what are mm -hmm. like, where our focus is anyways there's there's definitely a lot so tell us more about like what it looks like to in a day of Katie like so do you go into those organizations do you speak to the employees more like how do you how do you see <laughs> your service really changing the world um yeah I would love to share that with you but I wanted to comment on your point I think that it is really a very much an unlearning and the way that I like to frame it is more of a remembering that we need to remember our connection with ourselves, our awareness. We've become so disconnected with basic human needs of love, safety, and belonging and think that there's no place for it here or here. So in, in organizations or in this area of your life, but it actually belongs in all areas. So we need to integrate that back in. We are humans <laughs> that needs to show up everywhere um, and just remember how to connect with ourselves and the needs that we have and make sure that those are met in a bunch of nourishing ways. So just a comment on, on yes. your comment, but, um, um, so really what I do is I have a goal for every organization that I work with and every individual within the organization from the top down. And that is to, unlock their fulfillment, engagement, and growth. And the result of that is a thriving person and a thriving company. And the way that I do that is a three-step process. First, we assess. I discover what their culture is right now. Basically, I feel like it would be a very similar process to what you do when you help people. Where are you now? Where do you want to be? And where? what do we have to do in between? So I create a blueprint assessment for them showing where the gaps are in their culture and their biggest opportunities for growth and for healing, because really it's a lot about healing, um, healing the ways of communication, relationships. And I think it happened over a long period of years that we have, again, learned all of these things that are not serving us um, and resulting in giving us results that we don't want to have. And one of the things that I guess I was doing in the beginning that I realized is not helpful at all was I, I was blaming people. Like it's your fault that you, that this is happening. It's your fault in leadership or in ownership that you've created this toxic environment when it's actually nobody's fault. It's a culture shift as a whole. We've done some really stupid things and now we need to fix them. And I think everybody can feel it. Everybody, whether they're aware of it or they can verbalize it, everyone can feel that we kind of screwed this up as a culture. And we have to do some healing and fixing. So people are just adopting the methods that they've been taught or that they've seen modeled that they think are going to give them the results they want, but really it's causing more problems. So it's a lot of awareness, a lot of, um, a lot of well-being pieces are in 
how I create that alignment. So once the blueprint is created, then the company can decide whether or not to go forward with me bringing alignment in a coaching atmosphere through training events, coaching, training, um, teaching, one-on-one, a lot of group stuff, building trust, transparency, communication, um, healthier relationship dynamics, making sure that people are allowed to have a sense of purpose. Purpose is really the name of the game and everything kind of branches off of that. I believe that the main contributing factor to unengagement, not feeling fulfilled, not being able to grow is a lack of purpose, personally and professionally. And a constant connection and actions aligning that purpose is what provides people with positive energy source, giving them all of the odds in their favor, being able to make an easier impact on their well-being. I guess the best way to describe this is, have you had a job in your life that was completely unaligned with your values and your purpose? I mean, I think I was just... um... Yes, when I cleaned houses, there we go. But oh. I was someone that had like so many, I, I started working when I was like 12. Um, and I've always loved the, I've always chosen a work, maybe the work itself didn't really align, but it was always like, I need to be talking to people. So like, mm. whether it's like selling wedding dresses, being a waitress, like being in front of a crowd and hosting things like that's just like, has always been a part of my work, being a teacher. So like clearly I've I've always followed the path of who I was, but I do believe that I'm not the typical human that really is in tune with who she is. I think like as a young kid, there's so many examples of me being kind of unique in terms of like really not being bullshitted by what the culture or whatever. Like there are some things that I definitely was like, man, I got played, mm-hmm. you know, but but I was definitely like the type of person that was very much an advocate for um, how I want to live my life. For sure, mm-hmm. like as a young uh, young kid, so I'm I wouldn't be like the typical person to ask this. You know what I mean? I've always okay. loved my jaws because I'm always the person that's very bit, much been aware about who I am since I've been young. Yeah, um, but for sure, I see what you're saying. I relate a lot to that. I think that came from being raised in a family of complete bold truth and transparency. There was really no, um, there was no fluffy surface conversations. It was always right right deep into it. all the hard stuff. And, and I feel lucky that, you know, I had an environment that I could just like truly be myself and then I could have conversations and they were never like pushed aside for societal, you know, like they were just like, like me Mm -hmm. saying to my mom that I want to lose weight at 13, that doesn't go the same in every household. Mm -hmm. There's households that it's like, you're fine pushing that aside. There's other household that it's like, what, what do you want me to do? What does that look like for you? Like, why do you feel this way? So I feel like it really depends on the adult. You know what I mean? On the adult there. And we're the adults right now with our young children, but not mm. all adults are working hard on who they are like we are. You know? Yeah. And I, I think that, again, that's a lack of purpose. So I know personally periods in my life where I felt there's nothing for me to work towards. There's no goal. There's no mission. There's no purpose. And I've experienced lows when that happens, where then it becomes really difficult to give a shit about myself Mm. or to um, nourish my body because I feel like I'm not very worthy if I have no purpose. 
And worth is, you know, the, the juice of life. It's so a lack of purpose for me creates a lack of motivation, a lack of interest, a lack of engagement, weight gain, um, getting completely imbalanced in multitude of different ways that are affecting all the beautiful different emotions that we want to have as people. Um, so yeah, I don't know, Alicia, did you ever have like a job experience where you're like, oh, this is, this is literally sucking the life out of me and affecting me. There's, there's no goals. There's no purpose. How am I adding my value and my meaning here? And then it starts to create a ripple effect in your life and impact everything in a negative way. Yeah. I, I, the only job, like I'm, I'm similar to, to Jose and we're different humans. And I was also working when I was really young and I had like five jobs and, and all that. Um, I did when we lived in Australia, I was just looking for, like, I was just taking any job. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, it was very short term and I ended mm -hmm. up working at a shoe store and then I ended up, um, the manager. Cause of course I'd end up in charge and they were like so strict about when you had to work and they wanted me to work on Christmas. And like Neil's parents were coming from England to be with us at Christmas. And they expected me to say, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to see my family. Like they were like, talk about it. They need you. They need you. This company needs you because they were not taking care of their employees. And the turnaround rate was like so high. Mm. Anyways, I, I quit. Good. Good. So what really, for me, when we spoke, um, not at the barbecue, but the next conversation where you, where I really clicked with you is the importance to loving your work. And mm -hmm. I, I literally don't think there's another human out there that loves their work as much as like me or Alicia. I truly feel that like, even my brother's like, yes, Jose, <laughs> I love my work, but like, not like you, you know? And mm -hmm. I truly see that if you do not like, it's almost like if you don't like daycare or you don't like school, it's going to be a long ass life. It's going to be a long ass yeah. day. It's good. You know what I mean? And then you come home and you're cranky and you just don't want to do anything. And I feel like it's the same, but in adult life, if you spend your whole day, just hating what you do most of the time, like most of the hours you have, mm -hmm. um, there's no way that you can be in a space to, uh, create health create well-being create like because it's such it sucks the life out of you like you said and I really connected to that and I'd never spoken to someone that believed in the importance of loving your work um honestly mm -hmm. because everyone's kind of like it's like that just that that um typical meme like like everyone yeah. just is over drinking and not loving work. And it's okay. Cause we have funny memes to talk about it, but no one's like talking about the fact that like, it shouldn't be that way. Like you get what oh. I mean? You know, what's happening with culture. Mm -hmm. It's the memes yes. are let's drink a lot of alcohol. Let's hate our husbands. Uh -huh. Let's, you know, let's like not speak what, how we feel. Let's not say what we feel. Let's just complain and let's hate our work and just complain about it. And let's just love weekends and hate Mondays. Right. Like I'm like, Oh so my God. A huge word that comes up to me when you speak about this is pleasure. You, we are designed to add our value, to add our worth towards some bigger goal, bigger purpose, whether that's cleaning an office so that that office is now ready for the people that are going to come in there and work their magic. There is small, medium and large and grand purpose, but it's to know that you actually have value and that you're adding it. That gives you pleasure. If you're not getting pleasure from that, which is, you know, how many hours a week, how, what chunk of our life are we supposed to be 
extracting pleasure from our work. And then if we're not, yikes, we're going to seek pleasure in a ton of other areas that are actually going to cause us more problems and not give us a sense of true pleasure when it's completed, like alcohol, um, overindulging in sugary foods or carbs or whatever. I'm not saying don't ever eat sugar. Sugar is the bomb. I love chocolate. I love sweets. I, I love it. I really do. Um, but it's not my main source of pleasure because that actually makes me unhappy because then it throws me out of balance and it doesn't serve me and it causes more problems. So really for me, people that are not getting that pleasure or that satisfaction or fulfillment from work, again, maybe subconsciously or unintentionally, they're going to find pleasure. They're going to seek it. And here's where some problems can happen. Um, Where do you think is that disconnect disconnect? Well, to realizing that short-term pleasure versus because you think you're getting pleasure out of that glass of wine. You think, and maybe you are like, I'm not one, but like, and maybe I am getting pleasure from my ice, my bowl of ice cream. How, how does, how can society find that, that balance of like, this is me giving myself time, space, self-love, whatever, versus I'm actually just masking what's happening. I'm not having the proper conversation. So it's almost like pressing it, it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's difficult. Yeah. So for me, when I coach people one-on-one in health and life, because this is something that I I don't think I'll ever stop doing. I really enjoy um, giving people what was given to me once in my life. So I just ask them to start to listen, start to listen to yourself, tune in a little bit more, become a little more aware. There are a thousand different ways to do this, whatever resonates with them. Sometimes it's journaling, meditating, or simply when they wake up in the morning, reevaluating what they did the day before and what actually happened. And do they feel better because of it or worse? So let's take a look at that on a step-by-step basis and break it down. And what actually gives you sustainable pleasure after or momentary pleasure, which is suppressant. So I think this kind of comes from conditioning and marketing. This is my hypothesis. I think from the moment that we are able to hear, smell, and see, our culture is marketing things to us in a in the messages, you aren't enough, you don't have enough, and you don't do enough, so buy this thing. So then we alcohol prices go up or alcohol sales go up, food sales go up, restaurants, all the ways that we consume as a culture. So the big differentiating factor there for me over, you know, just really becoming aware and watching people and coaching them and learning from each other. Consumption does not give you sustainable pleasure. Service gives you incredible sustainable pleasure. So if I choose to spend my day going to help someone, as opposed to, um, I don't get me wrong. I love going to the spa. Sometimes serving yourself is important too. Or I spend the day at the movies eating popcorn or doing whatever, and I'm just consuming and watching TV and binging on all the things. Yeah, that's that's not actually going to make me feel good at all after. So I love it that you just said that serving yourself. There is a spot for serving yourself. Um, and I love that. That's First. the that's that piece. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, what you're saying definitely rena- uh, resonates with me. And it's the so basically our approach to what, what we help people achieve is 
pretty much identical in terms of self-awareness, tuning in, listening to your thoughts, looking into your beliefs, because mm-hmm. you you are the ones, st- like there are things happening up here and in your life that you're not aware of and not looking into. And I love that you're like, we think that we go consume. So I always say like, stop scrolling and figuring out what your neighbor is doing and what everyone's doing and, and spend more time self-awareness. Yes. And I'm like, you don't have time, but you have time to scroll and scrolling is consuming other people's stories and lives and what they're doing. And you're consuming mm-hmm. that content and society is not taking enough time to self reflect self-aware. Like, what am I doing? If I were yes. to scroll my own life, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we have this weird thing going on that doesn't really allow us space to be or to wonder or to dream or to reflect. If you're paused for a second, why are you paused? You should be doing something. Perform, perform, do, 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 take, take, take. Um, actually, just relax. <laughs> take take a few deep breaths <laughs> yeah. and turn your, your focus inside. Well, think about weight loss, how the minute you usually join a program, it's like do, do, do. Go, yeah. go get a, a new grocery list. Go clean up. Do, do, do. And we're like, breathe. Like, that's literally what phase one is. It's learn more about who you are. Mm-hmm. What has gotten you to this point? Like, there's nothing to do, do, do. You're already doing so much. We need to take a step back and look at what we're doing. Yeah. And not go do more. Um, but obviously, our way of doing things, your way of doing things is not the norm. How do you mm-hmm. feel about that? Like, how do you... because the service we provide to the world, you and I and Alicia is very different. And it's very like not common in terms of our approach. How yes. do you, does that frustrate you sometimes? Um, it does two different things. It excites the shit out of me and it's sometimes scary and frustrating, mm-hmm. but because I have a very clear intentional purpose that is very serving to the world it's pretty easy to stay motivated and aligned, but not always. Sometimes I, I, you know, I have a couple meetings in a row with potential clients and they're not seeing me fitting into a box neatly of consulting or wellness programming. And you're doing something weird and new. So therefore I'm going to deny it, but it's exactly what they need. It breaks me a little bit each time, but each time I, I try to extract the learning, extract the opportunity to see how I can improve marketing this so that all people can understand this is what's lacking. So it's just, it's a process of development and involvement for sure. Um, yeah, it, and it can be frustrating, but mostly exciting because I know I'm on the right track. Okay. So I guess my question, if I'm not a listener right now, the, the, the thing is, it's almost like, when is it time to quit or to fix? Like, cause we're talking a lot about like, if you're good at, within your job, like if you, if you mm-hmm. like what you do, if you feel like you're serving a purpose, if someone's listening right now and is like, well, I am so disconnected by this. I do not feel like I have a, like yeah. my job does not make me feel this way. When is it time? And it's like, it's almost like divorce. There's a time where it's like we divorce or we fix, like honestly. Yes. So it, it's the same 100%. that there are decisions where it's like, I either quit. I don't want to say divorce is quitting, but it is. I am done. I am going Mm -hmm. to work on something else or it's I fix. And then, so it would be the same for your job. When is it time to quit? Um, Or is there steps before we know it's time to quit? So what would you say to someone that's like, I don't feel that purpose in my work, you know? So I would probably scale back a little bit and say that this is really on the corporation and the organization to make sure 
that they really live out their purpose and their values and that that's part of their hiring process. Because if you're aligning the people that you're bringing into your organization with your values and purpose, then that shouldn't be happening. So that's really, that's how to prevent that or to fix that process. But if, you know, it's, it's not always common. A lot of leaders and CEOs, it's such a buzzwordy term to have purpose and live by your values, but nobody actually applies them and uses it as a filter system for every aspect of the business, which will, mm-hmm. you know, 85% more growth and revenue in aligning yourself with purpose and values. But setting that aside, um, there is, it's really on the owners to make sure that's aligned. If you ended up uh, waltzing into an organization and staying there that did not verbalize or live out their values and their purpose, and you found yourself unaligned with what you're doing and their vision and their mission, maybe you're not even aware of their vision and mission and you're literally just being handed tasks. Um, That's Mm. also really crappy because how am I feeding into the bigger picture? How am I adding value? I'm just getting a bunch of tasks and I finish them every day and then I go home and and drink a bottle of wine. Um, So if you're not aligned with their values and their purpose and they've become aware to you what they are, then yeah, by all means, let them know they should help you through this process of exiting and help you find something that does align with you, your value, what you can add, your worth, and that serves you. If this is all going in the way that would be best, but Mm. often, you know, we're humans. We have a hard time doing that consistently unless we have guidance and support. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go to that because I really mm-hmm. enjoyed that piece of what you wanted to talk about. Um, we, um, I, I just, you know, having the support for the healing as well, like, cause this, maybe people are listening mm-hmm. and they're like, ah, oh, this is not their typical podcast. You know, usually we do talk, it's very much more either weight loss or some sort of, um, weight loss topic. Um, but for me, I see the connection. I see the connection because I truly believe that you cannot lose weight because we're weight loss without dieting. So if you're not dieting, it means you're not miserable. You're not feeling deprived. You're really connected to how you want to do this. You're figuring shit out. And so mm-hmm. to do that, you can't be miserable at work. Like I truly believe that I've never talked about exactly. that out there, but I truly believe that. And mm-hmm. there was one of our people that we really love to follow. He made a reel. Um, and he was like, yeah, there's, there's one type of person that calorie deficit doesn't work because he's a really calorie deficit person. And he's like the person that hates their spouse, hates their job, hates their yeah. like, calorie deficit is not going to work for that person. They don't want to be in a calorie deficit. They are not set up to be in a calorie deficit. And I was like, yeah. fuck. Yeah. Like I really connected to what he was saying. And I'm like, there's yeah. that piece, that conversation that's not happening about work, but I'm not, that's not my job. You know, I'm not fixing that for, that's not mm. my, my purpose. Um, but I do see how it's connected. Oh my gosh. To be able to lose weight, not in a diet. Yeah. And I love that he mentioned relationships too, because if your relationships are not feeding into your worth and your work is not feeding into your worth and value, it makes everything next to impossible. And I hate using that word because I love possibilities. Um, But that's how I feel. All the odds are stacked against you. You're waking up every day fighting against the wind and it's just, it's foolish. Um, yeah. So those two pieces are huge for success. So 
So you said this uh, in the little audio message you sent me, and I loved it. We are lacking community and support as a culture. Can we talk about yeah. that? For that's our last. That would be our last topic before this ends. What sure. is? What are we lack? Like we are lacking community and support in our culture. What do you mean by that? Um, again, going back to the original um, belief, my belief that we've made a few major mistakes as a culture as a whole. One of them is kind of this segregation and separation with community support and involvement. When you, let's go back like way, 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 way back when we lived in cute little tribes and communities and everyone in the neighborhood let their kids run wild and everyone knew everybody. And, you know, a grandmother from a completely different family would feed a kid if they said they were hungry. There was so much community, so much beauty in that and support. And now we've, we're kind of like um, glorifying this idea that you got to do it on your own. Nobody's going to help you. Nobody's going to make this change for you. You got to do it yourself. Like that's bullshit. That is so bullshit. Any person that you admire in the media or that is famous or that has, you know, $10 billion in their bank account has a support system. They will be the first person to tell you they did not get there on their own. It would not be possible without the unconditional love of their spouse and the support and the belief in them and support from people around them that they pulled into their circle strategically. It's just, it doesn't happen. So if that's how people reach success, and that is a fact, then why aren't we doing that? Why are we saying we got to do it on our own? We got to figure it out on our own. I couldn't have been here sitting in front of you having this conversation if I didn't have a gazillion different support systems throughout my life and have asked for help multiple times. But do you agree that you would have not noticed the support system or created a, like, because if, because sometimes the support system is there, but if you're not asking, so if, if the self-awareness is not there first and mm -hmm. you are the one like in charge, I see what you're saying, but I also like want to like, there's also that piece of like, no one's coming to get you on your couch while you're crying and, and, and drinking your alcohol. Like you need to, yeah. like, you need to be create that awareness to see the light. So there's like that two pieces of it is really missing. Like in society, yes. the self-work and then once you do that, you notice the support, you know, you value support, you value community. You know yeah, what I mean? I do. And I think that there's two, two pieces to that. I think that also to feed into your sense of purpose and to feed into what we're supposed to be doing as a culture, as a whole, it would be so beneficial to you and to this universe. If you could wake up tomorrow and try to figure out how you were going to serve your community maybe not even making money from it. Maybe you do. It doesn't matter. How do you give back? How do you serve your community and make it healthier? Make it nourish it. Um, that's one piece. The other piece is that an awareness really does have to start being sent out. The signal of awareness that if you are having the same problem and it keeps reoccurring, that is a frigging good indicator to ask for help. Seek it. Google it. We have a genius and it's called the internet. <laughs> Use it. Figure out how you can fix that problem and then ask for that help and get it. And if it doesn't work, keep going, keep going. Keep but going. I think that keep going. bringing awareness, going. yeah, just keep trying, keep asking, um, bringing awareness to that piece and that emotional um, nourishment is so critical 
it's just when you're close to something, if I like, so using um, binge eating as an example, this was what a toxic cycle that was. It was insane. Punishing myself on a daily basis with overexercising at night, overeating next day, waking up, hating myself again, going through the cycle. It took sadly years of that cycle for me to realize, uh, okay, shithead, you're not going to be able to do this on your own. Yeah. You're, you're not going to be able to fix the it problem. On you're yeah. too close to the problem that you can't even see it. You've literally tried to attack it from every angle that you were aware of and it's not working. Get some help, some a second set of eyes, some more knowledge and information from another person who's not as close to it because your subconscious is protecting you from solving that problem. Yeah. And somebody else needs to come in for help and support. And we really need to lean on our community for support and our resources in, in a bigger way. To and create yeah. more belonging. And we don't always value that, unfortunately. I think society is just still not valuing seeking help with being who we want to be, being, you know, and, and mm -hmm. that's all honestly what we do. Society values someone helping them to lose weight, but are they also valuing what we do, which is helping you figure out who you want to be? Mm -hmm. well, and how exactly. you're going to do that you're, and how you're, you're going to do that. Not someone else like kind of doing it for you, giving you the tools for that self-awareness that you need so that you can find your own strategies in whatever scenario you're in. There's mm -hmm. just so, so, and uh, at the beginning, we were just one minute left. I want you to have a minute to tell me, tell our, our listeners, how can you serve them? Is there anything you want to <laughs> say to our listeners before we go? Um, yeah, I would just love to let everybody know that I am not the only resource out there to help create a healthier work environment for people. So whether you're an employee, you're an owner, you're an executive, a leader, a manager, it doesn't matter. Bringing that awareness to whoever does get to make that decision would be the first step. And this isn't to point a finger at them that they've done anything wrong. Again, they're, they're just trying to solve the problems in the best way they know how. It's just not working. It's not, yeah. it's not the actual solution. So removing the frustration and anger from who you think um, caused the problem is a big one. Try not to judge. Try to... Mm to kind of be curious um, and find support. There are so many people that can come in and help alleviate a lot of the ways that a work culture is actually taking away from your life instead of adding value. Oh, that was amazing. Thank you.